Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Don't you have a good day today? It's good. It's good to see everybody out this evening. I want you to join me in the book of Revelation this evening in the first chapter, chapter number one. Everybody comfortable? Air conditioned okay where you're at? Yeah? Go ahead, talk to me. Say hello. Good. Smile. Yeah. I don't know why everybody gravitates to the back. I can't see you back there. You know? We got to have a move front campaign. Move up front campaign. Look at all these beautiful empty seats here, man. Right? Just dying to be preached to. And nobody's there. They're all sitting back over there. Amen. Amen. There you go. God bless you, Aaron. Man. Isn't that a great looking family? All right. Hey, steak dinner on Tyler right after service from the room. Amen. Tyler's going to go broke today, man, with all these. Well, amen. Well, God's good, isn't he? Have you ever heard, um, it's Sunday night, right? So we just need to relax and enjoy each other. And good to have our teenagers back from camp. And, and hey, hey, look at that great family. We've got great seats right here for you, Brother Will. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Amen. Uh, did you ever hear, did you ever hear uh, Brother Preacher Riddell tell a joke? <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this now. He just told me this one, and let me ask you, how many of you have heard the one about the state trooper? Raise your hand. Good grief. You get around, man. How many didn't hear it? It's not a bad one. I don't repeat too many of his jokes. <laughs> but this one's not a bad one. He talks about a fellow who gets pulled over on the highway down here on the uh, New Jersey Turnpike. Just speeding, man, just flying. And the state trooper pulls him over. Now I'm going to tell it a lot better than he does, of course. <laughs> because after you heard it, you can embellish it, you know. And so <laughs> I won't tell you it was one of our deacons. It wasn't one of our deacons, but anyway. Flying down the highway, state trooper pulled him over, and state trooper pulled up, and they came up on him and said, uh, license and registration, fellow got his license and registration. So the state trooper said, uh, he said, so I'm at the end of my shift, and if I write you a ticket, I got to go back into the, to the office, I got to write out, fill out all the paperwork, can you at least explain to me why you were going so fast. And the fellow said, well, I can. He said, 10 years ago, my wife ran away with the state trooper, and I thought for sure you were bringing her back. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. No, I like that one, you know? Amen. So it's good to laugh, isn't it? Right? Good to be in church and be able to have fellowship and enjoy, you know, good, good, good fellowship with good people. We had, we had a number of good visitors here today. Uh, several families visiting, first-time attenders, 
And uh, so that, that's wonderful. We thank the Lord for that. I got a chance to meet several of them uh, out, outside here. And uh, keep praying. Pray that God continues to send us his favor and sends us, you know, new visitors, guests, families, so we can continue to see God's kingdom advance here through Open Bible Baptist Church, right? Amen? All right, Revelation chapter number one. We're going to begin a series tonight. We're going to call this Dear Church. Dear Church. And uh, the reason we're calling that is because Revelation chapter one, really two and three, uh, records for us individual letters Jesus drafts and sends to local churches in what is called Asia Minor. Go ahead and flip the next uh, screen up. So there's several churches there, but these are the ones that Jesus writes to. And uh, they're in Asia Minor. You can see it's, it's Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis, Church of Philadelphia, Laodicea, Ephesus, Smyrna. And, uh, and God uses, he uses these churches and he uses the letters that he writes to these churches as, um, as several things. First, as a means to send commendation to the church because he says to several of these churches, I know thy works, you know, and for many of them, they had a whole lot going on. They were, now get this, they were busy. They were busy. Let me just say this real, real, real brief. Activity does not, does not mean productivity. Just because you're active and just because you're busy does not mean that you're producing what you should produce. That's in business, that's in life, that's in church, right? So the Lord says to them, he commends them for being active and being busy. And these churches were, when we study through them over the next several weeks, you'll see how active and how busy they were. But then in a couple of cases, he, he doesn't give a commendation, but he gives a condemnation. You know, and here's what he says, I know thy works, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I remember years and years ago when I was pastoring in, in, in Pennsylvania, I did a series on this. It wasn't this series, but I did a series on this. And I, and I, I, I kind of started it off by saying, if the Lord were to write a letter to, at that time it was the Southside Baptist Church, what would he say? I believe he'd be able to say, uh, dear church, I know thy works. And he would begin to list some of the things that we were doing that I, th I thought we were doing right. I still think we were doing right, you know. But then I also said this in, in, in the message that I think there would, be, there would be that pause and he would say, uh, nevertheless, however, uh, I have somewhat against thee. You know, and I remember then, because I'd pastored the church for a while, I began to list some of the things that I think we were either not doing or doing that was not that pleasing to the Lord. And you know, one of the things on my list is that we have this tendency to gobble up each other, to devour each other. Did you ever hear, anybody ever say this to you, Brother Tyler? Hey, man, we're on the same team. My response sometimes to that is this, well, if we're, if we're on the same team, why are you shooting at me? Come on, say amen right there. This side got with it. You must be doing the shooting. Huh? Why, why are you shooting at me? If, if you say we're on the same team, right, if we're working for, you know, we're, we're under the authority of the same captain, well, then why are you shooting at me? You know, and I remember listing that back then, and that was some time ago. 
as one of the things, because at that time, to be honest with you, it was a young church, and they just had this tendency, young Christians have it, well, I should rephrase that, Christians have a tendency of just, of just gobbling up each other, shooting each other, you know? We love to weep with those who weep, but man, we have a hard time rejoicing with those who rejoice. Amen. And so, uh, if the Lord were to write a letter to Open Bible Baptist Church, what would that letter say? I was chatting with Tyler here before uh, church this evening, and, and I think maybe by, by the middle of August, end of August, we're going we're gonna to just gather everybody together, our leadership. I mean everybody, all the, all the, uh, the deacons and leaders and lay leaders, and, and just sit down and say, okay, let's, let's talk about open Bible. Educate me. I'm your pastor now, right? Educate me. Tell me about your church. Tyler, t- tell me some of the wonderful things that go on here, you know? And then I want you to tell me some of the things that I think we ought to work on maybe changing. And then moving forward, what do you think we ought to do? You know, I, I think that's important, don't you? And so we're going to do that here in the near future because you never want to think you never want to think it, that, you know, that everything's okay when it's not. And, and I, for one, never want to miss an opportunity to advance God's work. How about you? Right? And so we'll, we'll take a look at that. But tonight I want to begin this series here in the book of Revelation, just chapters 1, 2, and 3. Tonight we'll take a look at chapter number 1 and just a couple of verses as we introduce to you these, these letters. Dear church, look at, if you would, let's pick it up. In uh, verse number one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, Christ, which God gave unto him uh, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. Now, if we were doing a study in the book of Revelation, if we were studying the book of Revelation, then we would pause right there and talk about the author, talk about some of the, you know, contributing uh, factors to this letter. But that's not where we are, Okay. However, we'll say this, that God gave this revelation. It's not the book of Revelations, it's the book of Revelation. And God gave this revelation to the Apostle John. John's the same John who wrote wrote, uh, the Gospel of John. It's the same John who who considered himself uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's the John who wrote, wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he's the John who's exiled to the Isle of Patmos and where God gives him the revelation. And the Lord told him to write, write. Look in verse number 17. It says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And uh, he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Now look at verse 19. He said, write the things. And so John is encouraged to begin to write. I know you know this. The book of Revelation is a book of conclusions, right? And it's only befitting that it's the last book in our Bible because it is a book of conclusions. It completes the cycle, right? First book in the Bible is Genesis, and Genesis records for us the beginnings. In the book of Genesis, we read about uh, creation, the beginning of everything, beginning of creation, the beginning of humankind, you find that book, book of, of Genesis. Uh, we, we find a record there in the book of Genesis about the beginning of the nations, right? God speaks to a fellow named Abraham, and Abraham, you know, goes on and trusts God and goes on an adventure, 
has a couple of, you know, he, well, he has one child, uh, the promised son Isaac, who has a couple of boys, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and they become a nation. He has 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. So, book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Book of Revelation is the book of conclusions. Because what you see in the book of, of Revelation is the conclusion of humankind. Correct? Uh, you, you see uh, the conclusion of the nations. You see a recreation, because now in the book of Revelation, God begins, he tells us that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, right? So, book of beginnings, book of conclusions, book of Revelation, and that's what we're, of course, going to dig in here and take a look at. Uh, look what John says here in verse number 19. He gives us a tremendous outline, and that's probably a good place to start. He said, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So, if you were to start doing a study on the book of Revelation, verse 19 is the key to understanding. And because what he says there is this, John is going to write to us about three things. First, he's going to write about the past. Did you see it? Look at verse 19 again. Write things which thou hast seen. That's the past. Now, think about this for a second. Think about all that John could have wrote about. Right? John was one of those disciples. In fact, he said himself, he was really close to Jesus, spent a lot of time with Jesus. In fact, walked with him for three and a half years. And the Bible chronicles, you know, the life of Christ for those three and a half years. And John was right there. And so when uh, Jesus says to John, you know, write what thou hast seen, man, he could have wrote about all kinds of stuff, you know. Uh, he probably would have probably filled a book talking to us about Peter, you know. He was right there when Peter did all that Peter did, you know. I, I'd have loved, I would have loved to hear John's take on it. But that's not what John does. Uh, what he does is this. In this passage, he begins to talk to us about Jesus. He writes all about the Lord. When you look in chapter number one, it's all, it's all about Jesus. And then when you go into chapter number two, he begins to talk about the one who holds the seven stars in his hands, who walks amidst the, the seven candlesticks. You know, you know who the stars, you know who the stars are? Stars of the pastors. Candlesticks are the churches, right? Now get this. He's talking about Jesus and he's saying this. He said he holds the pastors in his hand and he walks right in the midst of his churches. Isn't that awesome? Hey, John, go ahead and write down the things that you've seen. And what he writes to us about is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that when a preacher is standing for what he should stand for and preaching what he should preach, that we're right in the hand of our Lord. Amen. And I'm so glad when a church is what she should be, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is right in our midst. You know what's sad? Sometimes we miss his presence, you know. I mean, he's right here, you know, and yet sometimes we avoid, you know, the idea that he is or we neglect to see him working. And we don't worship him for who he is. And so John begins to write about the past, and then he wrote about the present. He writes about the things which are. Do you see that, verse 19? The things which are. And when he, when he talks about that uh, there in that text of Scripture, what I believe he's speaking about is chapter 2 and 3, those seven churches, or the church age. 
the church age. We're still living in the church age, aren't we? Are you with me? We're still in the church age. When, when did the church age begin? The book of Acts? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, talk, talk to me about the start of the church for, for a moment. Uh, so, uh, when, when was the church uh, conceived? Nobody wants to take. When was the church conceived? And then when was the church born? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you say, preacher, is there a difference? Well, you tell me. Uh, how many of you have children? I just saw the McDonald family coming in with their brood, right? So, Will, um, when, when you're, you got five children, right? It, was there a difference between conception and birth? Pardon me? Sure. What about the church? Right? So, here's, here's what we believe. Here's what we believe. Remember Jesus speaking to his disciples? He said this. He said to, uh, I think it was Peter. He said, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Right? What did the church, what did, did the church become, you know, in existence right then and there? No, but it was conceived right then and there. That was the conception of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Do you know when it was born? On Pentecost. Right? Acts chapter number 2. The day of Pentecost. How do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit of Almighty God came down and he, of course, began to fill those New Testament believers. And from that point forward, you see an active gathering of God's people. And the church is a gathering of God's people. Right? Look here. I preached this morning. Right? Tonight it's time to learn some things. Get with me, man. Right? Pay attention now. Because you, you, you got to know these things about the church. Because we're it. So, it's conceived when Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, I will build my church, and it, it comes into fruition. It's born when Jesus Christ sends the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter number 2, and the church goes into existence, right? And from that time forward, from that time forward, we, we begin to mark the church age, right? You know how long it's been going on now? How How long? Say it again. A couple thousand years, right? Two thousand years. I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> I, I, like to, I like to have feedback, you know? And so for 2,000 years. And during that period of time, now pay attention here, during that period of time, the church has taken on all kinds of different looks, hasn't it? And when you begin to read, uh, and we will, not tonight, but as we begin to study uh, chapter number two and chapter number three, you're going to begin to see these churches. Uh, look quickly. Look at chapter 2, and beginning in verse number 1, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, right? And if you look down a little bit, he, he says in verse 2, I know thy works. And he begins to list their works. Look in verse number 4, nevertheless I have somewhat against thee. Remember I just said that a little bit ago? Look, look in verse number 8, unto the angel, who's the angel? He, he's the pastor. He, under the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These things say the first and the last. He says, I know thy works. Verse number nine. You see that? Huh? Uh, verse number 12. He's writing to the, to the church of Pergamos. By the way, he sends these letters to the pastor, and it's for the pastor to then go ahead and share the contents with the congregation. 
right? Uh, look in chapter number 2, verse number 18, unto the angel of the church in Thyatira. So this is a letter to the church in Thyatira. And then you go to chapter number 3, verse 1. The angel writes, he writes to the angel in the church of Sardis. And then when you go down to verse number 7, he's writing to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? And then verse 14 reveals the last letter to the last church written to. And he says unto the angel of the church, the Laodiceans, right? Verse 15, I know thy works. But then look, look down if you would. Look what he says to, to the church. He says, I have somewhat against thee, right? He says, uh, verse number eight, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm, because you're complacent, because you become indifferent, because you, you've developed this, this, you know, distance, disconnect, right? I'll be honest with you, I think he's talking about the church today. I think that that church of the Laodiceans is a representation of the church today. And not, not, I'm not talking about open Bible band, I'm talking about the church, all churches included. Amen? The whole body of Christ. I think in these last times, you know, Timothy writes about this great falling away from the faith, you know, where people just who once were now just walking away. Good folks. In fact, you probably know some folks who sat in the pew right next to you who are no longer gone to church. Oh, it's not that they left open Bible. They, they just walked away from the church. You know? I was playing. I was, I was telling, I think, Brother Smith, uh, I was telling somebody just today, I was hitting golf balls the other day at the driving range, and, and there were like 20 different stalls, you know, where you pull up and hit golf balls. There was nobody there. Roger, nobody. I was the only person. And so I went all the way down the end of the line, you know, so I could go all by myself. There was nobody there, man. I was just hitting golf balls, having a good time. When all of a sudden, I hear the clanging of golf clubs. And here comes a fellow walking up. Nobody there, 20 different stalls. He pulls up right next to me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, really, Lord? Really? That's exactly what I said, you know? Because I knew I was going to have to get in a conversation with this guy. I just knew it was coming. I'm minding my own business, hitting golf balls. I wasn't even hitting that great. You know, but here he is. He's standing right next to me. And so his, the first thing he says to me is, is this music bothering you? And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't. What was bothering me was that you, you pulled up right next to me. You know, I wish it had been the... F I said, no, it's fine. Just play your music. And so he said, I'm a talker. Do you mind if I talk? No. <laughs> Go ahead and talk. So he's chirping away. And so he said, uh, you play golf a lot? I said, I haven't played around here for a while. Why not? Well, I just came up here from Florida. Why'd you come here from Florida? Good question. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, uh, well, I'm the pastor of Open Bible Baptist. Said, oh, you're a Baptist? That's exactly what he said. You might think I hit him on a golf club. Oh, you're a Baptist? I said, well, I said, I am. He said, aren't they like really mean, bad, strict, like... I said, some of them, I said, but not our church. I said, the first pastor of our church was, or the guy that. <laughs> I said, he's relegated now to the comedian of our church, but no. <laughs> no, I said, no, I said, we're, we're, we're not. I don't think we're, I don't think we're, you know. I said, about you? He said, I'm, I was. He says, I was, I grew up Roman Catholic, but then I became a Methodist. I said, and now, now I'm an atheist. And I started to laugh. I said, 
I said, you're an atheist? He said, yeah, what are you laughing about? I said, because we're all going to find out in the end. And guess what? If you're wrong, that's not the time to find out that you're wrong. And he started to snicker, you know. And, and I thought about this. That just seems to be the way it has gone in the church age. You know, where there are some people that have went from one church to the next church, never finding the church that suits them. Oh, that's good preaching. Huh? And then there's those who have just unplugged completely and want nothing to do with the church at all. See, that's why Jesus writes these seven letters, because he measures the church throughout the church age. And it's sad, when you look in chapter 3, go down with me. He says this in verse number 18, I counsel thee, buy of me gold tried in a fire furnace, right? Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. But look at verse 20. And we're going to study this out. Verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, let's be honest. We, we've taken chapter 3, verse 20, and have used that as a soul-winning verse for years and years and years, right? And it's a great Bible verse, isn't it? I mean, we often say this, man, if you'll just open up the heart, you know, the door of your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ will come in and, and you'll be saved and you'll have fellowship with him. But remember, these are letters written to who? Churches. And so he writes a letter to the church of the Laodiceans, and what he's saying is this, I'm on the outside knocking at the door. That's not a good place for Jesus to be, church, on the outside knocking at the door saying, if you, just, if you just open the door, I'll come in. Hello. But that's where the church is placing Jesus today. And there's a lot that will be said about that when we get to that passage of Scripture. Because I think today we're, we're trying to take a turn. We're trying to take the, a turn and make the church something it was never meant to be. Amen. And so John says this, let me get back on point. John says in verse number 19, he was told to write things, write about things that he has seen. And so he writes to us about the Lord Jesus, holding the pastors in his hand, walking through the churches. Then he writes about the things which are chapter 2 and 3. In chapter 2 and 3, what is that? I mean, that, that, was, that was going on in John's lifetime. He was living it. But then look, he says, and... He said, write about things which shall be hereafter. That's prophecy. Write about future things is what he's, what he's telling him in, in that passage of Scripture. And, 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 you know, prophecy is literally history written in advance. And here's something interesting. Not sure if, if, you, if you've ever noted this, if you ever, if you ever studied this. But when you, when you look at chapter 2 and 3, pay attention right here. When you look at chapter 2 and 3, it is, it's, it's, it's just a, a, a picture of the church age. We're living it right now, right? And whether you agree or not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. But I, I believe that we are in the latter stages. You hear it all the time, right? We've been preaching it forever. But we, we have to be in that, you know, last chapter or last verse of chapter 3, you know, verse 20. That's where we're at. Church of the Laodiceans. And, and I, I, know, I know there's a falling away, and I know there's a disconnect, and I know Christians are becoming cold-hearted. But the interesting thing is this. After chapter 3, verse number 20, would you look at chapter 4, verse number 1? 
says this, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, anybody tell me what chapter 4, verse number 1 kind of describes for us? The rapture. The rapture. Right? So now, look here. Chapter 2, chapter 3, we're on earth. Church is on earth. Right? It's just the Lord records uh, the history of the church age. And here we are right now. I mean, we are, we're, we're on the line. We're, we're getting ready to step over. Chapter 4, verse number 1, rapture the church. We go up. Huh? Voice of the archangel, trump of God, come up hither. Isn't that good? You waiting for that? I, I, I like to get raptured. How about you? I believe I'm going to go to heaven either way. I wouldn't mind getting raptured. I think it'd be exciting. You know, right? I know, I know it happens like that, but I hope it's in slow motion. <laughs> On the way up. Kind of like drone effect, you know? And I'll be looking around wondering who's staying back down there. <laughs> who's going to preach next Sunday? be exciting, isn't it? Huh? Rapture. Wow. But if you're a student of the Word, here's what you know. After chapter number 4, verse number 1, the church is not on earth again until chapter number 19. You'll not find the church on earth again. Joe, you're a student. Go ahead and find the church on earth after chapter 4, verse 1. You won't find it. You know where you find the church? In heaven. In heaven. Yeah. Why? The rapture. We go up. And then, look, and immediately I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Guess who that is? Amen. That's our Savior Jesus. And, man, you just go down through verse, uh, ch chapter number 4, and the scene is in heaven, you know, and I love, I love, I love the scene. Now, we're not going to study this out uh, when we get to past that chapter, but I love the scene because you got the four and twenty elders around that throne. Look, look, look at it. Uh, verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you know what they were saying? They were singing, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, glory and honor, glory and honor and power. Amen. Can I tell you the best part of that? Is this, they're casting their crowns at his feet. Amen. You know? And guess who's going to be there? The church. We're going to be there. And I would hope that we would have done something significant enough for the Lord that we too receive a crown. Because then we'll follow suit. We'll just take our crowns and cast them at his feet as well. Isn't that wonderful? And that's why, that's why when you read 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verses 10 through 15, and it talks about those who are saved yet so as by fire. You know what that means? That means this. They were saved, but they have absolutely nothing to show for their life they've lived in Christ. That's a sad state to be in, Chuck. I certainly don't want to appear before him having been saved for 41 years and having nothing to show for it. 
I, I hope I will have gained some crowns so that when I'm in that scene, because I'm going to be overwhelmed by what I see and what I hear, could you imagine the heavenly chorus singing, Thou art worthy? And, and, and the, the, the 24, who are the 24 elders? I, I believe it's a representative from the, the, the 12 tribes of, of, uh, of Israel and the apostles. And they're casting their crowns, and man, here we are, just little old you and me, huh? Independent Baptist from the Northeast. Hello? I mean to tell you, man, right alongside Daniel, huh? Or, isn't that awesome? Think about it. But you'll never see, you'll never see the church on earth again. Chapter number five, what happens is this. You, you begin, once again, we're in heaven, and now the books are open. You know what's happening there? If you know your time, if you know your timetable, not your times table, but your timetable, you know this, that after the church is raptured, right, we appear before the throne, and the very next thing that happens is the Bema seat of Christ. You know what that is? Second Corinthians 5 and verse 10. That's when we, you, you and I are judged. Not for sin. It's not to determine whether or not we get to stay. <laughs> we're, we're in, you know? And once Peter lets you in, you're in. No, it's, it's to determine, you know, what you've done for the Lord. You know, your works. You either receive reward or suffer loss. You know, be a seat. Where are we? We're in heaven. When you go to chapter number six, you know what happens? The scene, now get this, the scene goes from, what happened there? He took us to heaven. <laughs> the scene goes from earth, uh, from, from heaven back to earth in chapter six, but the church isn't there. You know what happens in chapter number six? The Antichrist is revealed. And you know what begins when the Antichrist is revealed? Tribulation period, that seven-year period of time on earth. Nothing to do with the church. It's God dealing with Israel. Are you, are you with me? Hmm? So where's the church? The church is in heaven. Bema seat. Marriage of the Lamb. All going on in heaven. Scene shifts in chapter number 6 through 6 to 18. And now on earth is the tribulation period. Seven-year period of time that is just unbelievable. Starts off kind of peaceful. The Antichrist establishes a peace treaty and everything's going swell. Until about three and a half years go by and something occurs, the Bible talks about the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist erects a statue of himself in the temple. And that's when great tribulation occurs. All kinds of bad things happen on earth, right? At the end of those seven years, you know what happens? Chapter 19, verse 1, all the way down. In fact, verse 7 talks about Jesus coming back, riding on a white charger, and the church is with him. Huh? That's when we come back to earth. And he establishes what? The millennial kingdom. That's the timeline. So now get this. Pay attention here. John is told to write. Write what? Write about things that were, things you've seen. He writes all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Write about the things which are. He writes about the church age. And then he said, write about things which shall be. And that's the prophecy. And he begins to record things. When you study it, it's interesting, and we won't go there, but when you study, he, he talks about these locusts that are fire-spitting locusts, and the imagery 
that John uses, right? Well, now in the 21st century, we know what he was seeing. He was seeing some of our modern artillery. He was seeing some of our fire-shooting helicopters, and right? They look like lotus, don't they? Or locusts, I mean, right? Uh, I mean to tell you, boy, the Bible is true and is all coming into existence. So write about the things which are, and that's what he does. Look at verse 20. I'm back in chapter number 1. Look at verse number 20. He says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candles. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. That's the pastors. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the churches. That's the mystery, right? So the key is to understanding the book of Revelation. First of all, verse number 19, John talks about the past, the present, and the future, and then the mystery. That word mystery, now pay attention here, that word mystery in verse 20 means something not previously revealed. And it's speaking about three things. He speaks about first the church, the church, the lampstands. They are the main players. Not a denomination, but rather all true born-again believers, right? From, 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 from the last couple thousand years, the church, you know? And, 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 and then he, he's talking about this. He's talking about true believers that identify with the body of Christ. You know, it's important to be a member of a church. It really is. Could you imagine standing before the Lord and we're giving, we're giving an account to the Lord, and, and we, we come up, and so he says, uh, so uh, Mr. Brown, is it Mr. Brown? Oh, I have you right here. Mr. Brown, uh, what church would you remember of? And Mr. Brown says, you know, Lord, I just was never able to find one that I aligned with. I, I mean, I, I would go to one, and I didn't like the music there. And so I went to another one, and the preaching was a little, mm-mm. I tried another one, the music was good, the preaching was okay, but, you know, the people were a little cold. I thought I found the right one. I stayed for about a year, but you know what? People just weren't as friendly as I thought. I would not want to be Mr. Brown (laughs) when he stands before the Lord. Huh? Because if you think about it, look here now, in, in, in God's economy... In the eyes of Jesus, the church, the church is paramount. Have you ever read Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 20, verse number 28, where it talks about he gave his own blood for the church? Church is special in his eyes. And you're not going to find one that's perfect, right? I mean, there are none. And you say, well, pastor, you know, I, I just want, I'm looking for that one that's got that perfect... Oh, man, why don't you just find one where you know God is working, get involved, stay involved, work through the difficulties, don't quit every time a wind blows contraire, and let God grow you in it, grow you through it, and use you to help you to grow it. Amen? The mysteries. Talk about the church. And then he talks about, of course, the pastors in, in, in that text, the called and then he talks about his care. Never forget, he holds, you know, the pastor and he walks in the midst. He's so close. He's just right here. Aren't you glad of that? So let me, let me conclude this discussion with this thought. And pay attention to this. All good Bible teaching 
should have practical application. Right? If all we do is just teach the word to be heard, if all we do is teach the word to impress, if all we do is teach the word to teach the word, but we ought to teach the word and make the word practical so that we might have application of it. Right? I guarantee you, if you listen to what I preached this morning about being intentional and you apply it this week, it'll help. I've already used it today, already a couple times today. I've already thought, thought through that and used it already today about being intentional, right? So when you look at this passage of Scripture, if we can't make it, did you ever hear this before? I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. If there's no so that, so what? So if we study through the book of Revelation, people love it. Man, if we put up a, 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 a marquee outside, Brother Tyler, or a big old sign, you know, from, you know, uh, August 1st through December 31st, you know, we're going to do a study on prophecy. We'll have people coming just for that. People love to hear things. But when you make it practical, when you say, here's the truth, and this is how to apply it, people don't want to hear that. Uh-huh. Why? Because then you're no longer preaching, now you're nitpicking. You know, now, now you're telling me how to live. No, I'm not telling you how to live. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and how to apply it. Right? And so what good is it if we study chapter 2 and 3 and learn all of this about, you know, what Jesus says about the churches and find nothing to apply to our church or to our lives? What good is it? If there's no so that, so What? Well, we came to church. We spent an hour. Yeah, but look here. I'd, be, I'd rather take a nap for an hour than to come sit here and get nothing out of it. I want something that I can take with me and apply in my life this week, don't you? And so in closing, let me see if this little study in Revelation can make an impact in our lives. Think about this. Think about three things. First of all, as we study, as we study this, here's what we know. We know that God knows Think about it. Say it with me. God knows what he knows. Say that. God knows what he knows. He knows the past. He knows everything about you. And I'm so glad he has made his executive decision to forget some things. <laughs> Aren't you? Huh? He said, I remember your sin no more. And I'm glad. Huh? Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever say, now, Lord, you remember when I... And he says, uh, what are you talking about? Right? Did you, ever, did you ever have a conversation with somebody? You say, now, Dave, Dave, you didn't hear that, right? And Dave says, hear what? You know what he's saying there. Hey, it's sealed. Right? I won't say a word. Well, when it comes to our past before Christ, it's gone. It's not there. Never to be brought up again. He knows what he knows. But he also, know, he also knows not just your past. He knows your todays. Come on now. He knows everything about us. Uprising, downsetting, right? He knows what makes us happy. He knows what gets us upset and angry. He knows what floats our canoe. And he knows what will sink it. He knows. He knows our heart. He knows all about us, right? That ought to be an encouragement. He knows, and he knows your tomorrow. <laughs> you don't, I don't, and by the way, I'm glad I don't. 
that I can trust he does, and whatever tomorrow brings my way, he's going to be there. And he'll give me the help, the guidance, the direction, the encouragement, everything I need, he'll give me for my tomorrow. Look here, he knows, he knows exactly when that test is going to reveal exactly what it's going to reveal. He's already there. Huh? I have to plan for a medical test here in the near future, not because anything's wrong, just because I need to have it every three years. My dad died of colon cancer. You can imagine where I'm going with that test. Nowhere fun. But whenever I schedule that, he's already there. Whatever that doctor's going to tell me, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, he already knows. He's already prepared for it. It will not be a shock to him. He's not going to say to the Holy Spirit, he's not going to say to Jesus, he's not going to say, fellas, what do we do now? He's going to get some bad news tomorrow. He's already planned for it. My father's planned it all. Are you with me? That's what you come to realize when you begin to study through the book of Revelation. He knows the past, the present, and he knows our future. Uh, look here, he's planned our future. Jeremiah 29, would you flip that up there? Do you have that, guys? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you what? An expected end. God's got a great plan for our life. Are you with me? God's got a great plan for our life. And I know sometimes you got these young people here, you got this young lady who graduated recently, just turned 18 this week, right? Maddie, God bless you. Man, great plans for our life. And I mean to tell you, we're going to be, we're going to be, you know, whatever. Think of it, you know, just as large as you can be. But you know what? There are some people that God's plan and their life didn't turn out that way. You know? I, I know some, I, for example, just this past week, we were praying for this family. I can't say the last name. Adam, Adam Kowski? I can't think of the last name. Anyway, he's a 47-year-old father who pastors a church. And I mean, great, just a tremendous-looking family. This fellow here, right, he's 47, right, Shay? Uh, Good-looking guy, great-looking wife, beautiful children, Good family. Pastors of church up in Log Cabin, New York. <laughs> Who? Is it Log Cabin Baptist Church? Yeah. Right? Log Cabin Baptist Church. How about that? Adam Kowski. Right? That's his last name. Look here. Takes his family out on the lake. Beautiful day on a pontoon. Daughter falls over or jumps over or is having a problem in the water. Starting to go under. He, 47 years old, if you look at him, he looks like a Navy SEAL. You know? Jumps over to Raji to save his daughter. He gets his daughter, pushes her up on, back onto the pontoon, and all of a sudden he goes down, never comes back up. 47 years old. Good-looking guy, man. I mean, built, looks like he can save, he can lift a pontoon, and yet his life ended that day. Some would say, some would say, where was God in all of that? God was there before he even jumped in the water. So preacher makes sense of it. Oh, I can't help you with that. I can't help you with that. Here's a, here's a young father. How many children? Three, four, four children? Several children? Three girls and one boy? Pastoring a church? Young wife? He's in glory. Why? I don't know. But what I do know, I do know is my father's good. And he makes no mistakes. 
And that had to be a part of the plan. He wasn't drinking alcohol. He wasn't on drugs. He wasn't being crazy. He didn't do a flip off the pontoon that would create his... He went in to save his own daughter, and he ends up dying. Go figure. You can't go figure. I'd say go trust. You just have to trust. God knows it all, the past, the present, the future, and he's got a plan for the future. And the plan, my dad, bless his heart, I'm going to finish here in a moment. My dad died at the age of 59 years old. That's young. That's young. Huh? I know you kids think, well, that's old. No, that's young. I thought it was old when he died. I thought he was an old man when he died, but he wasn't. He was young. You know? And my dad, look here, my dad, if you knew my dad, you'd love him. He got saved out of a crazy lifestyle. And, but when he got saved, I mean to tell you, he got that dose from top of the head to the bottom of the feet. You know that dose? I mean, he got it and got it good. You know? And God, man, worked in his life. You, you would not believe. He became just a great witness for Christ, Donald. I mean, he was, he was, he had prison ministry. He would go, he, often, he, in fact, he, he retired early and came to work for the church. I was his pastor, and then I became his boss. I really worked for him, but, you know. And he had an office right down the, the hallway from me, Tyler. And oftentimes, I would see people coming in, walking right past my office, going to his. And I'm thinking, what in the world's going on here? They were all broken people that my dad attracted, you know. And I mean, he'd lead people to the Lord. He would, he would break out in tears like that. He had such a soft heart. If I was here, see that message I preached this morning? He'd been, he would have been crying during the whole thing and probably been the first one down, down at the altar. That was my dad, you know. Uh, two years prior to his death, he would always go like this. Often I'd be with him and he'd go, and I'd say, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. He's just one of those kind of guys, never went to the doctor. Ooh, he'd do that. You know, and then every once in a while, I say to my mom, he doesn't look good. He looks a little pale. Yeah, he's got that pain in the side. His doctor said to him, his name was Dominic, Dominic, you need to go and get tested for this, you know. Eh, I'm fine. Until he wasn't. Until he wasn't. And one Wednesday night, we finished service. I said to, I said to my dad, hey, I won't see you tomorrow. I'm going fishing. I'll see you on Friday, because I saw him every day of my life. And uh, that night, midnight, my mother rushed him to Jefferson Hospital there in Philadelphia. Next morning, I get a phone call. I was in Fortescue, the Fortescue Fishing. I got a phone call. You better get home. Dad's just been diagnosed with cancer. What? By the time I got to the hospital, diagnosis already came back. It was in its, it, it grew, it metastasized. It was everywhere. Dad lived 10 months after that, you know. And probably, Donna, you can say this for facts. After he was diagnosed, never had a good day after that. He never did. It just right downhill, you know, ever since that day. 59 years old, you know? I mean, empty nest, takes an early retirement to go and serve at the church, and now he's living his dream. I mean, his son's his pastor. He gets to listen to the greatest preacher in America all the time, works for God in the prison ministry. He was really good friends with Brother John Jalla. Those two were like that, used to work in the prison ministry together. 59 years old, gone, gone. Leaves behind three children, grandchildren. My mother, who depended on him for everything. My mother never wrote a check. She never paid a bill. She never did anything. My dad, my dad, my dad, he did all that. Why? If you had in a couple of hours, I've come to realize I think I know why. But then I didn't know why. But now I think I do know why. You know why? God's got a plan. <laughs> Right? And he doesn't make any mistakes. It's perfect. 
He's got a plan for the future, and he's got a plan for you and I. So the key to understanding Revelation is right before us. It's very practical. Here it is. You ready? I'm finished. Know God and live for God. That's the key. Know God and live for God. And if you think you got it all figured out, hmm, you don't know anything. Uh, because there's something new to learn about him all the time. Not just every day, but all the time. And he wants to, he wants to reveal himself to us if we'll, just, if we'll just want to get to know him. Amen? Next week we'll, we'll jump into that first church, the letter to the church of Ephesus. It's interesting. Find out some good interesting things uh, in that letter together. Amen? Let's stand together. We'll pray. And then let's sing ourselves out the door. Want to do that? We'll sing our way out the door. Who's got a favorite hymn? I mean, just something really popping. Anybody? First hand up. We get to sing it. I saw that, John. What it is? You got one? No? Okay. Not in the book? What is it? In Christ alone. Da, 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 da. Do we have the words up there? Do you know it? Yeah? Yeah? We can do it. How many of you know that song? That's a great song. We'll sing it. Can you get the words for us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's rich. It's wonderful. It's real. I pray that you'll help it to become practical in our lives, not just from the pulpit, but in our lives as we move forward and try to live life for you. We pray this week, if you should tarry, that you give us a good week, give us good health, protect us. And if something comes our way that we're not expecting, Help us to realize that you know all about it. You're there. You're just wanting us to trust you. Place our hand in yours and allow you to guide us through. Bless us, I pray, in a big way this week, for we ask in Jesus' name. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.